my God. Here we are. I'm just testing my levels. Man. Not me. I'm testing my courage. <laughs> my courage to tell you a story today. A story, story that is not about silly play. Quinn, enough is enough. We've teased this news for two weeks. You have to give the people what they want. I don't have cancer. Boom. You thought maybe we'd pull it out. Maybe we'd pull teeth to get the answer. Would no, never. we would never do you dirty like that. Can I tell you why I wouldn't do that? Because that's what they did. Because that's what they did to me. And can I tell you how they did it? Tell me how they did it. I when would I, expect nothing else. When I went in, I said, look, you got to send me the results too. And they were like, well, we typically said, and I said, no, no, you're going to tell me you're going to send the doctor. And I said, look, I get it. Everyone's trying to make a living. But that's exactly what my impression of my doctor is. is She's trying to make a living and do very little else. So this is not someone that cares about me. It's not someone that's going to bother to talk to me about what you send uh, unless she thinks she's going to get a paycheck, in which case she might schedule me a month down the line try to take some money to explain to me whether or not I have cancer. But I was like, this is not a person I trust. I don't like this doctor. Please send me the results. And I said, okay. So nobody sends me anything and days go by and we're past the point in which I thought I would hear. What's happening is the radiology center is sending me text messages that are automated to say, you need to schedule an appointment, but they're old. They're because they didn't record that I went in for the biopsy. So I call them to say, every time you send me a message, I'm getting this feeling like they're about to tell me. They know me. something I don't know. Yeah. And that I go, they got the news before I did. So, and they're going, we got to get aggressive here. So yeah. I said, you got to stop sending me the messages. And by the way, and while we're on the phone, I said, can you well, check out you. for me? I, did those results ever come in on that biopsy? And she goes, oh yeah, they came in two days ago. And I said, Really? What's the story on how I might know what they say? Because I'm losing sleep and I am oh, drinking Quinn. in a problematic fashion over yes, this. You're drinking to forget. You're drinking to numb the feelings. And I'm like hugging my kids too tightly. They're they're <laughs> they're not interested. Like it's like a problem. <laughs> so I was like, just please, oh like God. level with me here. I've updated my will. I've <laughs> I called my lawyer and I was like, what do I got to get in order here? Anytime someone was making me mad, I was like, they're cut from the will. <laughs> I picked a wrong time to be a bitch to quit. You sure did. You were cut. You were the first cut. Um, you know what? First cut is good. It means the most memorable, frankly. Totally. I don't want to be middle. Don't give me middle. Give me if first. If it was a reality show, you would have been remembered. Thank you. Which should be a reality show. Somebody like cutting people from their will based on friendship goals. I so think anyway, has been a reality show in some I way, was like, tell me what's going on. And they were like, no. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Did they say like that? Yeah. No. They're like, I'm not authorized to tell you the, the, the what the piece of paper says in front of me. And I'm like, okay. Um, and I get why. Frankly, like I can understand if someone fucks up, that's a big fuck up. <sighs> okay. I don't get it, but I'm trying what to find out. What they said is they would be like, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not a doctor. I, I, these are results. I, I'm not qualified to interpret them. And I'm like, okay. Uh, and they're like, well, your doctor was sent these results via fax yesterday Fuck this and the day before. And I was like, cool. So I call my doctor's office and they're like, she's busy. 
And I'm like, look, so here's the thing. Uh, this is a biopsy result. I just want to know if I have cancer or not. She can't like come to the phone real quick and just give me like a, a yay or nay on that. And she, they were like, no, she's just like seeing patients. And I, then I put my foot down and I was like, and she, you know, frankly, she's was seeing patients, I'm sure two days ago and I'm sure yesterday, but at this point, it doesn't make any sense that she hasn't found a second to call me about biopsy results. Like that feels important. It feels like knowing what we know now, it feels like she's like, oh, it's negative. I'll call later. Totally. Which is fucking awful yeah but i'm just like also like are you not a human being but also aren't those the calls you go okay i can tell someone good news what person ever has a test like that and is not pins and needles over what the result's gonna be what person is like going about their life being like yeah they'll call me if it's a problem and you know some people those people love you if you are one because that sounds like a great way to live also sounds very um healthy mentally or unhealthy if don't you don't know. address any of the issues. You know, it could go either way on that one. So I had like a Karen moment where I was like, this is insane. And I said, you have to understand from my perspective that I just want someone to get on the phone right now and tell me whether or not I have cancer. I don't care to discuss next steps. I don't care to discuss what kind. I just want to know like yay or nay. And I said, you got to get her on the phone. And then they get, they they walk away and then they come back and they go, uh, she's gone for the day. Also, like it's the feeling like you're calling like an ex-boyfriend that doesn't want to talk to you. Where I was like, yeah. is she with a patient or gone for the day, you guys? Like get it together. Get the right story. So I was like, forget it. And then I called the radiology place back and they were much more understanding and like sympathetic. And they were like, we can try to upload it to your patient portal, but we can't interpret the results. And she was like, I'm just not authorized and I don't know, like I wouldn't know what they mean. And it was really funny because when they uploaded it, I open it and like you just read it and it's like there's a sentence that says like it's benign, suggestion, come back in six months for a follow-up mammogram. And I'm like any human being could read this and it's my body it's about and it was jumping through hours of hoops on the phone just to be allowed to read what this said. Isn't that wild? Yeah, that's really wild. And I'm so sorry they put you through the ringer, obviously. But you're like, like, I'm a grown-up, and it's my body. What the fuck's going on here that, like, you have it in front of you, and she has it in front of her, and you guys can all see it, and I'm not allowed? What in the world? That makes, I mean, it's it's why, like, you know what? You got to advocate for your health care. Like, if there's one thing, I mean, my mom has taught me a lot of things. Trust your blink. You know, mom, moms be momming. My mom's moms eat all the time. Beets. Eat beets. <laughs> I don't think my mom's ever said eat a beet. Never? My mom did have a note about <sighs> our song, which I can play either this episode or next episode. Do you know the voicemail I sent you? That's my mom. not a note. I loved oh, it. I, got just, a, I actually got to play exactly what, what I would expect. Oh my God, my phone's outside. Fuck, you have it. I can do an impression. No, 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 you have it. I sent you it. Look at our texts. Mm, mm, we mm. got to play it. Okay. Wait, okay, but before we do that, I got to say, yeah. you got my mom has always taught me to advocate for my health care. My mom is someone who's worked in the healthcare system for a long time. I have an aunt, a beloved, who's a nurse, who's an amazing nurse. And like, if they've taught me nothing else, is like the only person that's going to advocate for your health is you. 
And I'm really proud of you because that's exactly what you did in those calls. You like were assertive. And I and I don't I don't want to malign you as a Karen. I don't want to malign you as a Karen. I was like a little bit. This isn't like I was doing that thing where you're supposed to play a game when you're on the phone with a person like that. Because it's customer service. You're supposed to play along and you're supposed to be like, I get that you have to like ma'am me and like tell me a thing. I want to level with you. I get it. I don't like forget the niceties. I don't need a problem. I was just like. We are two people on the phone and I am telling you that like I didn't sleep last night and the night before I drank a particular amount that's probably not healthy based on <laughs> having like a fantasy where I don't know. Like, that you would have to like, like stop at some point. That you'd have to like you're like I have to drink like I'm like a doctor's going to go you should pull back on drinking. And you I, said I'm going on a bender. I said you're going to give me cancer if I don't already have it. Like I, I was like saying crazy things for sure. Yeah. But I was like. Yeah. To, I did tell a person that worked in an office that has no control over policy that they were giving me cancer. So that I did also say to her, I'm not mad at you, to yeah. be clear. And I kept saying that. I was like, I know I sound mad. I know I sound crazy. I, I'm i not mad at you. And whether or not I'm crazy, the jury's still out. But if I was crazy, no one would show me the paperwork to prove it one way or another because that's how it would the be bureaucracy in your file for works. Two months. Yeah, and I'd and ask you'd be to like, see that, and they'd be like, "No, because you're crazy and you have breast cancer," which I don't. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> it is really insane to be like, "Tell me about my body," and everyone's like, Mm-mm. "And I'm like, what? That's I just so need to learn how to do biopsies. I, that's my always my system too. I'm like." If, just if have I don't to have learn good, how, to do, how to do it yourself. I uh, speaking of medical. Oh, yes. Want me to play this? I'm gonna I found play, we'll it. play that later. Well, okay, we can play it later when we're about to do calls because I oh, gotta I gotta okay. give mom a shout out again there. I love to embarrass my mom. I don't know how much she likes it, but I really like it. Um She's the one that asked for the song. <laughs> she did ask for it. Did you see what she was wearing? She was asking for it. So she <laughs> <laughs> so medical. I went yesterday and I went and I got my pap smeared. Mm-hmm. And I went to Planned Parenthood, which was, you know, actually like a really incredible experience. I have to say the coolest thing about it, I didn't have to fill out any paperwork. Oh, they're amazing. How incredible is that? You like sit with like a professional and then they ask you the questions in person and you're like, you just ask, it's, it's re- remarkable. And at one point they had me weigh, they were, wanted to weigh me and I was like, can I cover my eyes? And they're like, yeah, of course. And I had like my phone in my pocket and I'm glad I hope I never see those. I just numbers. don't like, I don't like the numbers. I don't want them. I don't need them. Um, but I have to tell you, so I entered and I had to go through a metal detector yeah, to get into so Planned Parenthood and it made me rage. Cause again, like I, the reason I was going here was because they took my insurance and they were the most helpful on the phone with me. Um, and they got me an appointment quickly and efficiently and they were super helpful with any questions. They called me back. Like they were a really amazing organization and so there was a couple really cool things that happened. Um, got a metal detector, which was not cool. And I think it's just worth noting, like, it makes me, it's similar to what we talked about, you know, a couple weeks ago with your biopsy. It just makes me rage that, like, mm-hmm. they've become the boogeyman for um, women's reproductive health. And what they're doing is, like, really incredible things. They're making women's health care accessible. And the waiting room was full. And they were seeing hundreds of patients in one day efficiently and um cost effectively it was amazing um but i got in my uh my room 
And like any doctor's office, you're going to wait. But for some reason, I actually was okay waiting at Planned Parenthood because I'm like, they're helping other people. Mm -hmm. And it felt accessible, which made me feel like, I think that's maybe how- You were just like, I'm part of the team. You know what I'm- Let's all do this together, you you guys. Just realizing right now, it actually, the waiting in the waiting room, I know this is like not a great comparison, but- I think it's like what I would feel if we had universal health care and wait times were longer because I'd be like, you know what? At least they're helping people. Mm-hmm. At least people are going to the doctor. Mm-hmm. At least people have access to health care without getting bankrupt. Like I do feel like I wonder in that moment and I am an able-bodied person, so that might feel different. You know, I haven't had any like pressing, you know, scares, health scares. <laughs> Someone in the room has, so I have to be sensitive, I guess. Um, <laughs> be careful. You don't want to get canceled by me. By Quinn. I don't want to get out from of the will. will. I don't want to get out of that will. Yeah. Canceled um, from the will. <laughs> canceled from the will. A story of Carrie and Quinn. Um, but so I got into the examination room and like the provider who was helping me was like this. I I think she might have been younger than me, but she was so cool. She was so awesome. And she, we, she and I were like railing about like the lack of painkillers in women's healthcare, both in biopsy, I did bring you up, and also in like IUD removal and things like that. And so I got in the stirrups for my schmear of pap variety. And um, she did this thing and I was, or okay, so the first thing she did was test my thyroid or like feel my thyroid. And before mm-hmm. she did, she's like, I have to put my hands around your neck. And so some people can get alarmed by that. So I just want to let you know, like I'm coming behind you and I'm going to put my arm, my hands around your neck. Mm-hmm. And I was like, That makes sense that you would warn someone who might, you know, have had that issue or had, you know, maybe have some trauma there. It's like the time the guy was like, I'm going to test your nerves. And I was like, what's that? What does that mean? Involved. Quinn, you're going to die. Like your bedside manner versus my bedside manner. I'm (laughs) in the stirrups. My my legs are up and she's right there by my business. And she was like, I'm just going to put my hand on your knee and I'm going to go lower and lower. Okay. And so she's like, my hand's on your knee. My hand's like, she always was like, my hand is here. My hand is here. Like, she was just like constantly mm-hmm. telling me where she was down there. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. couldn't see. Like, just a simple adjustment that I could tell she took care in what, in how I was experiencing I that appointment. I can't imagine. I can't exactly imagine. <laughs> but my favorite part was she put the speculum in me. Maybe this is TMI. I don't care. It's our podcast. Whatever. You've Fuck heard it all before. If you don't like it. I'm sorry, you guys. I'm a little still angry, but not at you. Again, it's not your fault. (laughs) I'm not not angry with you. I'm glad you're here. She put the speculum in me and she's like, I'm just trying to find your cervix. It's running away from me. (laughs) It's running away from me. She's like, it's hiding from me. (laughs) How about a little? This provider put a little little humor. I think my cervix is playing a little hide and go seek. Why not? It said, I don't know if I like this. This little thing a going in there. Cervix. I don't like it. So I got a sneaky. Carrie's got a sneaky, sneaky cervix. cervix. Spread the word. <laughs> spread the word. Spread your legs. Spread the word. That cervix is going to commit anyway, a heist a, any day now. I had a wonderful experience with Planned Parenthood. And I just want to say, go get your annuals. We've said it once. We'll say it before. Go get go your get mammogram. There. Go get the paps. Also, you can, they say you can wait five years in between pap smears. Yeah. I had no idea. No, yeah. The more you know, free health. You're listening to Truly, Darkly, Creepily. That's, that's cancer-free Carrie Foster. <laughs> What's most importantly is a sneaky cervix Carrie Epima. Sneaky cervix Carrie. So obviously, a couple weeks ago, my mom demanded, demanded that we be that she we give her a song, and so after the song, she did listen, and you know what? So there's proof she does listen, and then she left me this voicemail. Chance and uh, thanks for the song. 
Thanks for the song. Bye. Oh, she said it twice. She must have meant it. Nobody says anything twice unless they double. She did call me later. I mean it. She did call me later, and she goes, "You could have rehearsed it a little." You could. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, "Mom, on principle, we don't rehearse. We don't rehearse any of them. I don't know if you could tell. I like. I she comes to your, tell, she mom. comes to your improv shows, and she's like, seems like it needed a little more rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Anyway, um, Mom, you're welcome for your song, and you're welcome for your song. We have four people to thank. The first is Karen. It's Karen, the Karen, Karen G. Karen G, you're the best kind of Karen. You're Karen good. Karen great. Karen gorgeous. We love you, Karen. You're so a good good because you are a Patreon, a dearest reader. We love you. Karen G, Karen G, Karen G, G, G. You might have a sneaky cervix. I don't know. That's not my business. But Karen G, I hope somebody found your G spot. Karen. <laughs> Tyler F. And here's what you need to know about Tyler F. Do you want a fun fact? I love a fun fact. Tyler sent a fun fact. Indeed. <gasps> He was known as, you know, T-Fab. Um, and oh he's from God. the Mile High City, much like um, myself. My, is the Mile High City from Denver? Yeah, we're Mile High. I know you're Mile High. And we're really fucking high. <laughs> we got free legal for Fab Tyler. Fab Ty. T-Fab. Fab Ty. Fab Ty's pretty good, though. I mean, that's really weird. Fab Ty. Can you imagine? Because, like, just the difference of calling somebody T Fab at, like, a party and then being like, Fab Ty. You know, you know, my ass Tyler, would be the friend. We have found you a new nickname and you better fucking use it. Fab Ty. Fab Ty. Fab Ty. Fab Ty in the house. You're so high, Fab Ty. You're so fucking high. It's T Fab. Oh, wait, no, Fab Ty is. We're going right back to Fab Ty again. We can't get away from Fab Ty because it's the beginning and it's the end. You sent us a fun fact and we ignored it and made our own joke. You're welcome, Fab Ty. If this can serve, please, as a lesson. To future Patreon subscribers send, to not send a fun fact. Send a fun. Because that's what will happen when you do. Oh my god, you should call T-Fab. <laughs> Fab Tie. And get Pad Tie in the mile high. Oh god, Pad Tie. We get, missed, should, missed opportunities. Should, I had it in my head, but I couldn't figure it. But here's what I'm going to say as a final. Quinn, when you go to the mile high, you should call Fab Tie. And you should get Pad Tie. Done. Will do. Great. Sherry D. Sherry D. Sherry D. It's almost like Sherried. It's almost like you live in the past like you were Sherried. But you. Because <laughs> when I read it, it's like. You think Sherry. like a Sherry? Like a, like no, a, I think like. Like a liqueur? I look at Sherry D. And it's like Sherried. Like I what was Sherried. Sherried. What the fuck is You've that? You've never been Sherried before? Oh, wait, have you any- have, because Sherry motherfucking Sherry'd you on Patreon. <laughs> we got Sherry D hitting us up on Patreon. Hitting us up, hitting us up, giving us our money, giving us her love, being Sherry, being scared, being motherfucking wary that she got such a weird fucking song. For this name, it's called Sherry D and not okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can you guys tell we had wine? Don't spoil the okay. fun. Oh, you're right. But we have had wine. No, you're right. We didn't. It's fine. Denial is everything. Banning B. Banning B? Really good, right? Really good. No. 
Banning B. Banning B, banning B, banning B. You are a B of the best friend variety. Banning B, you are a Patreonic. We love you, banning B, B, B. Banning B, you got a good name of alliteration with the B, B, B. A B, 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 Banning, you got nothing on banning. Cheatham Tanning, you don't have it either. It's all banning. It's banning B. Banning B is the one for you and for me. Hee hee. Mic drop. I'm so sorry uh, to I, everyone. You know what? Actually, I'm not sorry. <laughs> and let I'm the record sit. show. Let the record show, Carrie. Ain't sorry. She's not fucking sorry. Is it too late now to say sorry? That's a line from Justin Bieber. I hope sorry I is all that we can't say. We actually have to talk about, I don't know if we should save it for the next one, but mm. have you heard Britney Spears' book is coming out? I can't wait to read it. Sounds did like you a hear about good the, potty read. Did you hear about the drop? Oh, of course. I think it's so weird that social media has anything to say about it. It's so, and everything they do, they're like having like a thing where they're like, shouldn't we feel a way about this or say a thing about it? But no one really has. They're about all like. the abortion? Yeah. Or that they're like, like she said that he didn't want to be a dad. And I'm like, okay. Like, no, this happened a million years ago. And, but like, who honestly though, I didn't hear, read what she read. It doesn't. You, read, you didn't read what she wrote. But you know what? Honestly, she could have read it. I think she had a ghostwriter. I don't think she was writing it. I'm going to say it right now. Let me put it this way. From what I understand, who cares? (laughs) I'm so sorry. Here's why I care about it. I care because I think that we should be talking about abortion more. I think it's like very brave of her to come out and say this. I think like anytime a woman is claiming her narrative in that way, I think it's very strong. I also think like it's a part of the pylon of like Justin Timberlake being like a very problematic guy that like got off pretty scot free and like let the record show the comeuppance is happening. Like he's like I think oh, he's Are we looking for that? I didn't know he was problematic. Well, with the Janet Jackson, like he 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 did a lot What's of the com- Janet Jackson. At the Super Bowl when he revealed her tata. Is that what happened? Yeah. And like Janet Jackson's career ended essentially. Like she like got Milan, she got blacklisted places like she just like she was I didn't know that that wasn't I think what I read was like that it was a a teamwork plan right oh but that was rubbish no 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 it was a teamwork plan but what was what's what's noteworthy about that is that the person who got most of the blame is Janet Jackson oh but we're mad at him not society for that well we're mad at society but I but think he has to take the blame because that's faster no don't try to twist my words. Listen, all I'm saying is big in sync fan over here. Oh, Actually, I'm, big I, only island fan, uh, to be honest. Big I only island an, I'm fan. In sync no, was my first concert. I loved in sync. In sync was my first show that I, I my just first don't show that I went the, to. I feels it feels divisive to me. It feels the there's certain things that happen in culture that are like we like this person cast in the role of bad guy, and I feel like that's a little happening to him in a way where I don't think that him and his girlfriend who loved each other at the time, who decided to get an abortion, that doesn't tell me he's a bad guy. I don't think him and somebody else going, let's do this wild publicity stunt and it going poorly for her and not for him, which says a lot about our society. I don't, again, I'm just like, I'm looking for why I'm supposed to hate him. The way he maligned her after, the way he revealed- Oh, did he? Yeah, the way he told everyone that she lost her virginity to him and that he like went on, he like went on radio shows and talked about it. I he didn't know that. That, that was not the Britney doc. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it was. Oh, 
he like he went out like because she you know she had talked about being a virgin like again mm-hmm. like the society I think you're totally right and that society is carrying most of the blame for this certainly mm-hmm. but I think when you have someone who's benefited off of that cognitive dissonance and has not gone hey I was a part of the problem and just kind of like sat back and gone I hope nobody gets me and I hope I don't ever get in trouble for this like he went I mean he was you're a teenage- telling me he's another Ashton Kutcher and I'm not ready to hear it and here's the truth <laughs> I don't know if he's another Ashton everybody Kutcher. I have a surprise for Carrie <gasps> Behind this door <laughs> is Ashton and Justin. Ashton and Justin, come, come on, on out. out. Oh my god! Of the closet, wouldn't that have been so the great? The whole time have we any, had literally dinner. To have we had a delicious dinner, and then also I got my mic from out of there. To have and a there was... guinea pig out, like to have a guinea pig walk out, would have been like a good enough. <laughs> well, but it's JT. All I'm saying <laughs> is, I think yes, I think I hear what you're saying. I think there's a lot of validity in that, where it's like we are putting the blame on some individuals. But I think when you, he did have, he did some poor things in the mm-hmm. past. And I think like anyone, they should maybe go, hey, I fucked up in the past. Like I, I love, I love when someone goes, you know what? I could have been better. And the only time he ever did that was when he got like maligned publicly and he come out with an apology. Sure. I think I guess to me, I'm like treating him being party to her getting an abortion mm. as a fuck up I is think that's confusing. Fair. He's not blaming her for it, and he never told anybody it happened. Right. He has held that information for years. Someone, I just saw a TikTok, though, that was pretty interesting, because I think his team knew. Like, I'm actually, here's my little conspiracy theory Let me hear it. I think that the reason he is flirting with getting back with NSYNC for a reunion tour, because he's been the only holdout Mm. for, like, you know, Backstreet Boys have done it, New Kids on the Block. God, I wonder why. (laughs) He's because his career has been totally fine. He's been untouchable. He's like, I don't need to do this. I'm not going back. Recently, he's been seen with NSYNC. Like they gave an award to Taylor Swift at the VMAs. Like he's winking and nodding to like maybe getting back together. And I think what happened was is in order to have a book like this published, they have to make sure to corroborate it and check their sources. And, you know, they have to protect themselves against libel, Mm -hmm. as we well know of in the legal department. So his attorneys knew this was coming out. Mm hmm. A while. I mean, the book takes a minute to publish, right? Mm -hmm. So my assumption is I think that was him trying to get ahead of it and trying to appeal to people and like like flirt with this getting back together, get some good PR before this came out. In addition, apparently the book was contracted for 320 pages. This is what I saw from Jesus, you know a little too much. Well, I just saw this TikTok and it was so interesting. The the book was contracted for 320 pages. I'm, I'm not on TikTok, but I was on Instagram and it showed up. This book was contracted for 320 pages. The book is 288 pages. And the person that was talking about this was like, no publisher wants a shorter book. No publisher is going, you know what? It's 320, but 288 is fine. They're saying like, I'm so curious what would have been in the book. I'm so curious that what was well, taken out. Well, she has out. plenty of stuff that legally yeah. is very complicated without totally. thinking that it's anything Justin related. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I, I think it's beyond Justin. She has a, a wild life, you know? I mean, a I th- lot of ups and downs and yeah. legal disputes. We've talked about the Britney doc. We obviously are Team Britney here more than anything else, of right? Of course. Of course. Quinn Wright? Quinn? <laughs> Britney, come on out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a slave. She comes Look, out with here. her knives. Look, she... she's here. I'm a slave. Brittany, you're going to cut the snake. Be careful. For you. <laughs> she's so lucky. She's so a star. We quote her every day. Cry, cry, this cry. is a story about. We quote her every show. We quote her, we quote her every, every show. We're, I'm team Brittany more than anything else. 
And, you know, again, it's like we see it's like I just feel so sad of how the world has treated this woman because poor thing. Okay, let's get into stories. Yeah, hit me, baby, one more time. (laughs) Okay, who's first? Is it me or you? I always assume it's me. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you. Quinn, can I tell you? You're absolutely right. It is you first. You know what? It is you first. This is a story I wanted to tell you for a long time. What has been taking you so long? (laughs) It was so tight, tight. This is the story. You can no longer use any excuses because you're cancer free. (laughs) You have no more. (laughs) Oh, my God. NPR, USA Today, ABC, and... NY Mag. All right, cool, Quinn. Herald Tribune, <laughs> Miami News Times, South Coast Today. This is the story of Principal George Kinney, which I have started to tell you before, and now <gasps> oh I'm really going to tell really it to you. I've given you about like, this. the tip of the principal. Oh my God. I don't, I don't want to hear about the what tip. What is it? Bloody fingers. Do you ever watch a Vice Principals? My favorite part of Vice Principals is they're making a... Uh, what is Vice Principals? Vice Principals is such a good show. Oh, is it like on Comedy Central or something? It has the guy from Righteous Gemstones in it. The young guy? Um, The big brother. Not what Danny McBride. Yes. He's Danny McBride great. is He's so great. funny in it. And then the other guy's really funny too. And I can't remember that actor's name, but they're great. And they hate each other, but they do a pact at one point And they... um stab their fingers and they push their fingers together and they go at the same exact time we've never been introduced to this mythology but they're like bloody fingers bloody tips this is how a pact is made and they just push their fingers together and matt and i fell off the couch we were laughing so hard and now we say it sometimes where we're like who's gonna do bad like okay i'll give ko a shower if you go in and read to griff bloody fingers bloody tips this is how a pact is made doesn't rhyme. It's it's not even it's a like thing. It's like so stupid. I love it. Um, yeah, could you that's... pass me the wine? Because the story merits it. Okay, George Kenny. Because I am a vino. This is a vino verde from Portugal. That's pink. I got it for you. Did you really, or you just no? Nadine it? got it for me. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Nadine. And I give it on to you and to me. Um, cheers, cheers, bloody fingers, bloody tips. So. <sighs> I might have to pour in a minute. I'm just... No, you go. George Kenny is the principal of Northport High School. It is in the West Florida town of Northport. He's not the principal anymore, but I'll get into that shortly. Now, he's not just interested in being principal. He has hobbies. He's a normal human. But one of his hobbies is hypnosis. He's super interested in it. He reads books on it. He goes and studies at the Omni Hypnosis Training Center in Florida and... What that involves, from what I can tell, is a lot of maybe online training or reading things, but really not a ton of in-person training. I think maybe five hours or something. And he's a guy that's very, very popular within the system and within the school. Like the students love him. He's a person with the student's best interest at heart. And one of the students of his school says that he thinks probably what happened was the result of this principal seeing hypnosis as a tool to increase these kids' well-being. Obviously, that's not going to be how this story goes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But he's very interested in hypnosis after the training. He makes podcasts about it. And he makes podcasts? Uh huh. So you might call him a peer. Oh, I wasn't going to do that, but I'll do it if I'm made to. I won't make you do it. I mean, podcast. if making podcasts is how we're going to start like defining our peers, I just, that's an ocean of people I may or may not want to be Us and Joe in Rogan. a swimming pool with. Peers. Yes, totally, total peers. Um, so in conjunction, like it lines up with what this student said that he will later say his passion for helping students overcame his good judgment in this okay. instance. Okay. Now, let's talk about what that good or bad judgment looked like. Um, he held hypnosis sessions for parents, teachers, students. He always got permission from the parents to hypnotize the students. He would not do that without the parents signing something. And his goal was to help the kids with uh, anxieties they were having, sports performances, test performances. He was It was all about optimization and it was all about relaxation. So in these uh, situations where he's hypnotizing them, he's trying to get them to think about the next time they're going to face a situation where they have to do a free throw or they have to do a test and like imagine yourself doing well, regulate okay. your breathing. It seems like it's there's nothing about what he was doing that sounds nefarious. Wackadoodle doozer bears. Okay. No. Um, now, he didn't know that. I don't think he was so well schooled in the art of hypnosis that he had read into a lot of the warning stuff. I think that where it gets a little problematic is that there's an element of, I can help anybody, I can help everybody. Mm-hmm. And there's an element of, maybe it's a party trick. Not that he was. Well, he was frivolous in some instances, and I'll explain that too, but he didn't realize that there was medical literature already in place that says you shouldn't use it for entertainment purposes. That can be dangerous. Um, He didn't realize the risks that were involved. People can forget who they are when they're hypnotized really well. They can – you know, it can create a situation where you have – where you so like, dissociate from your atmosphere. It can create a situation where you have amnesia. It can create a situation where if you are depressed. It can exacerbate it. Yes. What is, how do, how do like magicians get out of it? It's such a good question. And I, it kept making me think of what's his, oh, now I'm not going to remember his name. I was really into this. Because you went to like, you went to the hip, no, hip, hip, hip prov. Oh, that was bullshit. <laughs> that was, that was fakery. So that's, Do you think that was fakery? A thousand percent, and you can tell. Nobody's hypnotized during that. People are more relaxed, but they're not hypnotized. And, like, they try to – they try to. I thought they made it seem like you – No, they're just getting the audience to improvise, and they're trying to get people that are, like, going to do a good job. I – no. Okay. Um. So let's let's go backward almost. Let's start with where this went really, really wrong. First, we have Wesley McKinley. And this is a high schooler. He's found dead in his home in April of 2011. And this kid played guitar and he wanted to go to Juilliard. And according to his friends, he had been offered by the principal, do you want me to help you with your audition through hypnosis? He had gotten Wesley's parents' permission and he had hypnotized him 
three times. Now, we have a lot of differing opinions as to timelines and things like this, but in the deposition, Lyle, Wesley's friend, said that he was with Wesley when Wesley would get on the school bus after having been hypnotized, Mm -hmm. and that when this would happen, he would have trouble remembering his name, and he would not act like himself. So I think he was like a really fun-loving, easygoing guy, and he'd get on the bus and seem fucking weird, really distant, not totally present, and like just off. Mm -hmm. Like he wasn't totally coming out of it. And he's 16 years old. And the principal says, I hypnotized him the day before he died. His friends say our memory of it is that he hypnotized him the day that he did die. And to remind you, he did take his own life. He did hang himself. He was 16 years old. Oh, my God. And people say we saw him. He was like a blank that day. He was being really weird. When he got off the bus, he was asking his friends to punch him in the face. Um, There was something really off. Oh, my God. Now, another death that ends up happening is Marcus Freeman, who's the same age and is a quarterback at the school. And he was having trouble. Uh, He had sports injuries, Mm -hmm. but he still wanted to play. And so he was, like, trying to find a way to let the pain abate. And like control that feeling while he was playing. So that was his reason for going to Principal Kenny and getting hypnotized um, to help him focus and cope with pain management. Now, he went to the dentist and he's going to drive home from the dentist appointment with his girlfriend. It was a painful dentist appointment. So what happens on the road is that she's watching him and he seems to totally lose focus, like suddenly look vacant, mm-hmm. look really strange at the wheel, and they just drive completely off the interstate and crash, and he dies and she lives. So she was there. Like, she is a witness yeah. to this death. Um, this what, Why this links to the hypnotism is because, like, he had a sports injury and he was in pain and we went they to the think dentist. he was they trying to self like trying to do, Yeah. Oh, so God. they think he's t- like thinking in his own head like, like oh my God, I'm in pain. Yeah. Let me do what he tells me to do. And that he put himself in a state where he was then disconnected and he got in a car accident. Then we have 17-year-old oh Brittany God. Palumbo. I know this is rough. This is the last teenager whose death I'm going to describe. Um, she... Uh, had anxiety about taking tests. She was trying to get into the University of Central Florida and he wanted to help her or she wanted to seek help with her SAT scores. She went to him for hypnosis. It did not improve her scores and she also hung herself. So those are the three children. Did it say how long after he hypnotized her? No, I don't think I know the answer to that. I don't think it was as close Close in succession. Um, Wow. Wow. Yeah. And I do believe that this guy, like, didn't – thought he was helping. That's – Well, they have this, like, million – I mean, 134-page investigation that is a report that has all these things that – I think that some of the troubling things have to do with they felt like he was, oh, I never met that person. And then it's like, yeah, you did. You hypnotized them. And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Or like, oh, no, I didn't hypnotize them that day. Oh, yeah, you did. It was right before. So, but I I don't think that's 
I think that's upsetting, but not compelling. And that's damn. It's it's upsetting, but not damning. Yeah. Okay. So now he's tasked with painting this picture of like, how seriously did you take this? How responsible were you? And one thing that the investigation finds out is that he had hypnotized so many people. He'd hypnotized like 70 kids since 2006 in like a matter of like six years. Oh my God. Um, And I also want to be clear that a lot of these kids were super grateful. Um, There was a kid named Eric Williams who wanted to be deployed in the Air Force and he wanted to raise his SAT scores. And right after starting hypnosis, they went up a bunch. And he was like, this. It worked for him. And he said, it made me relaxed. I had a ton of stress and tension. He started hypnotizing me. I felt way better. It was like taking a good nap. So, you know, I just say this to be like, there were a lot of success stories. There was reasons why he thought he was good at this and wanted to keep doing it. There were reasons why he thought I'm helping people. Um, Okay. One of the incidents that is kind of alarming and strange that doesn't fit into the narrative really well for me, Mm -hmm. because you think, okay, he was one-on-one meeting with these kids, asking parents permission, trying to help them with a specific thing, and for the most part, either succeeding or not succeeding, but certainly like these incidents of death were nothing that he... He thought, wasn't directly. He didn't in think cause. that was on the table. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah. But he went to do um there was uh he did basically a hypnosis demonstration, but it was in a hotel room with a big group of kids that were um and this is in March of 2010 before anybody has died and they're in Orlando doing like a competition and they all meet in a hotel room and he has like 30 kids in the room and they're all just like sitting in one room, like on a floor, on a bed, on a couch. Everyone's just like filling this room and he does it for more like party trick vibes and it works. So he has one kid wakes up and like remembers that he woke up in his bed and he had pantyhose on and he had money and he didn't know where he got it. Um, Oh my God. Another kid woke up and saw he had lipstick all over his face and found out that like they were telling him that Kenny was telling him it was like an important chapstick thing that he needed to apply and that he like put it all over his face. Um, oh my God. One so kid, he, like he told him that of a joke. one kid, he was like, you can't read like not, no numbers make sense to you. No letters. You only read Braille. And he got so lost after leaving the hotel. He was just like walking around and couldn't find his room. And he reports that ever since that night, he has struggled with his memory. He says he has moments of time where he forgets everything he's doing. And he'll be working and totally forget what he's working on. Oh, my God. That's so scary. And he – I don't know if these deaths – you know, it's so hard to say. It's like this feeling of like, did these deaths make him – exaggerate this feeling or thought or like correlate them but either way according to him since that night that has been a problem he feels like he slips into being unaware um which is oh my god and that was in 2010 but he started practicing hypnotism in school as early as 2011 and we know that because there was an article in the Bobcat Sentinel, like a, a kid, whatever, a mm-hmm. student newspaper. And 
he did the lipstick trick. So there was like a kid, lipstick all over his face, and it said, students who were successful, this is in the article, students who were successfully hypnotized talked to their angry mothers using a phone that was actually their right shoe, participated in a dance contest, and could not remember the number six. So again, there's incidences of using it oh, with kids God. as a party trick, which I just... I like I know every principal wants to be the cool principal, but like that, you're taking it too far, man. You're also like the fact that like I can't imagine making kids Mm -hmm. the butt of your joke as a grown up. Right. That to me, like I don't care if they're in high school. Like like the fact that being like I'm gonna I want to look like the cool guy, so I'm gonna make these teenagers look like assholes. Like that's so gross to me. It's scary. So in 2009. Uh, I think like word has spread. And again, this is years before anybody died, but his supervisor tells him you can perform hypnosis in psychology class, but you can't keep doing it like on the level you're doing it. And he doesn't stop doing it. Um, So he's like warned essentially, like don't do this. And he does keep doing it. So the families are obviously devastated. They've lost these kids. And what's interesting is they start to see this common thread and they start to be like, did this have anything to do with my kid's death? And we've seen this before too, just to put another, I mean, like the same thing happened with like the guy who was in the chat room from a couple episodes ago. It's Mm -hmm. like, you are so heartbroken and in those moments you're just seeking to blame because like you you can't blame the per you know it's like that's a really it's a really delicate situation and it's such a natural thing to be like there's got to be something else especially there's gotta if your be this kid reason. killed themselves like that's what i'm saying yeah. i think like because you can't blame an errant car them. you can't blame them Nothing. no like the, you, the and especially i don't know i mean it sounds like none of the writing was on the wall for these kids is that I think that that's true, and I think that that's what. Well, and that's part of the thing is that like he's kind of saying I wouldn't have done it if I knew they were depressed, but he also says I wonder if some of these kids coming to me they were hoping that I would see that they were depressed and they were almost like coming to me to like use it as therapy, but like I didn't know there was a problem. I wouldn't have done it if I knew there was a problem. No one told me they were on medication, or no one told me that they had depression. Um, but the family lawyer says, you know, you were basically practicing medicine without a license. Yeah. These are children. They have undeveloped brains. And and was the permission slip? Did it say this was a risk? Like, no, it wasn't listed think, as a risk. I don't think it was so formal. I think he totally. was like, I don't think anyone would probably put this, co- I mean, not anyone, but like, this seems like a pretty, the correlation of it is not mm-hmm. like something I mean, it says don't practice hypnosis for entertainment, well, but and and Kenny's like, I had done this a million, like I had done this a million times. People come back better, or at least the same. I didn't see anything when I was hypnotizing Wesley that made me think he was different than any other kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought our sessions went well, and I I didn't have any reason to believe there was a problem, is what he says. And so yeah. he's saying like. You have to know as far as malicious intent goes. I'm, I'm seeing these kids. I'm trying to help them. One kid comes in and later kills himself. It's I have causation, no idea. And there was not a thing in the room that made me think it would happen. And right. uh, one thing that complicates this case is that therapeutic hypnosis is against the law in Florida. 
unless it is conducted by a medical professional. So when this is all coming up and the families are pressing charges, they have a tricky thing because they- What do they charge him for? Well, they can't charge him, first of all. They can't press charges against him. They have to do it against the school because he's protected by the school, not willingly by the school, legally. Like, that's wild because he was performing it on school grounds. Um, That's a weird uh loophole. Well, so they don't know what to do. They put him on leave and they're like, we got to let the investigation take its course. And during this time, um, he says that he feels terrible about putting the school and his students through something that they didn't need or deserve and that they have to endure it on top of all the tragedy they've already experienced. And he cries when he says this. Like he's clearly very emotional. Um, And in 2011, Tampa Bay Times reported, if a student or person is needing something to help them relax, there's usually some underlying issue causing that anxiety and they probably should see a mental professional. And that was what a Tampa psychologist said to them that the issue in working with hypnosis is there can be latent things that are triggered, like past experiences and memories, and that the patient can have a bad reaction. Then he goes on to say, does hypnosis cause suicide in and of itself? That's not really likely. Can it trigger some sort of mental health problem that was dormant? Yes. 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 So they go to court, and the court documents are wild because... (sighs) He gets like called out in court for smiling. And they're like, what are you smiling about? And he's like, I'm not smiling. And they're like, we have you on, like you're smiling. And he's like, I guess I'm, you are trying to back me into a corner right now. You're trying to imply homicide, which is a huge leap. And I object to it. So he's nervously smiling, but like he doesn't, Mm -hmm. the whole thing is so uncomfortable because. And how do you try someone like this? It's very. There's no way to prove that hypnosis did this or didn't do this or what role it played. There's nothing they can do. And they can't, because of the Florida law, he is an extension of the school board. So the school board's the one that will ultimately pay. And what they end up having to pay is a total of $600,000 in a settlement to these three families. It's never enough. Never enough. But the attorney says it doesn't matter. The attorney says these people don't give a damn about the money. These people have dead children and there's no money you can give them for that. So he does in 2012 plead guilty to practicing unlicensed hypnotherapy and he serves one year of probation outside this case of whether or not it has anything to do with the deaths. It's just, yes, it's illegal for him to have been practicing this therapy. Now, the family's lawyer says... What, like we just talked about, it's not the money. What they're upset about is he doesn't ever apologize or admit any wrongdoing. Yeah. Um, I imagine it would have been highly emotional to admit any wrongdoing, but it doesn't mean he shouldn't have done that or left an or open should question. Have said, of, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have done this. So like, yeah, he, he, it's, the fact that he was doing it for entertaining and like students, the, it all just seems really iffy to me. It feels very... It just feels inappropriate. It feels like it crosses the the boundary mm-hmm. of an educator to student. I think so too. I think it would be like if he offered therapy. It's it's icky. 
you can't offer like you're not a guidance counselor you're the principal and like you're not licensed for that and that hasn't been approved by the school for you to offer and the thing that kept coming up was this you were warned you were told not to do this this. and you did do it anyway in addition it's like and he'll just use those blanket statements that are like i wish my judgment had been better fuck off i to me that's a it's a vanity it's a narcissist it's a narcissistic exercise in that it's like, did you want, like, the idea of being, the, the, again, we can't, correlation, causation, I know that's a hard thing to prove with these three students. I think just, like, as a principal hypnotizing students and making them the butt of a joke, to me, is just, like, icky enough where I'm like, why, that that's so gross. That's so gross. Yeah. Like, yeah, and, and also, like, it's like, you couldn't that practice. Just it. You could, like, and the other thing we is, we try to paint this picture of this guy that's doing this where he's like, they take it really seriously. And then you have all these anecdotal kids stories out, of waking up like, and that's putting so, lipstick on themselves. That's vile to me. In addition, if you are practicing hypnotherapy outside of school hours, that's one thing. But all the people that you're doing this with are kids you meet in school. Mm-hmm. You're getting mm-hmm. your clientele. Did they pay him or was he for No, every I mean that was part of it. Everything was free, but there was he does sell separately CDs and stuff and I do think oh, God. at one point he mentioned that to parents who had just lost a kid in a way that they found very distasteful and then he later was like I'm sure I didn't mean it that way, but it was it's hard to get on board with him for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um that being one of them, but uh the fact that he did it for free like again they try to point out like this wasn't for profit he really thought he was a helper and i think that he did but i also think it was self-serving i think it was a hobby he really liked like i'm good at this can i do it um and there's something a little self-serving about that in an atmosphere of like if you don't really know what you're doing maybe practice it on your wife because she's willing to do it but like take it into your own personal realm and sphere and and, and involve adults and involve people that but like it's it sounds like he was very good at it i think he was and i think that Ugh. it turned into a magic show meets a principal meets your therapist and it was too many things meeting it was explosive you know it was out of control so he, if you if you care, I mean, I'm going to North Carolina in a couple of weeks, um, and that's where he lives now. He has a bed and breakfast there, and he does stained glass. That's his new hobby. I don't think he does hypnosis anymore. I bet he still does. Maybe. I bet he still does. Should I try to find him and see? I don't want you to do that hypnosis. I'm not going to do the hypnosis. God. I'm going to have Coe do it, and we'll just see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> No, no. But that is the story of Principal George Kenny. You did a great job. Thank you for sharing it. Thank you. Don't call it a comeback, but I got another story for you straight from 17. <gasps> yes. My favorite mag. My favorite mag. It's a, the say book it loud, say I rented from the library. And I was like, let's do another another little story there. Um, I got this from 17, that book, um, the New York Post and CBS News. Um I'm telling you a little bit about Chelsea and Alicia Wartman. The two of them, they're twin sisters, fraternal, not identical, in case people are interested. Um, How they grew up. So their biological father left. um, But growing up, these kids were really sweet. They went to church. They were kind. 
Um, but then when they became teenagers, they are teenage kids and they rebelled a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, friends recall them smoking and, you know, just being teenage girls. Um, a little bit of a difference between the two of them. So Chelsea is described as sort of a mother hen vibe. She's got long brown hair, um, but she's someone who takes charge and she wants to fix things. You know, she like feels powerful and she's going to take care of people. Um, She's loud. She's outspoken. um, So much so that I think authority figures were something that she played against. Like she would talk back to her teachers um, and some things about her. She likes um, Jay-Z and she liked Ja Rule. And so she just was like a nurturing, outspoken teen. Ja Rule fan. She's a big Ja Rule girl, you know? Um, and at one point, her and her twin, Alicia, like, they're going through school. And then the two of them get mono. And then they're out for three months. And when they come back, like, it's not a great situation, especially, especially for Alicia. So Alicia, of the twins, she's the introverted introverted one. And mm-hmm. I feel like this is like pretty common in twin relationships. Like maybe one, like my grandma's a twin mm-hmm. and my grandma would probably talk about how she was a little bit introverted and her sister was extroverted, you know, and like my mm-hmm. grandma was shy and her sister was outgoing. And I think like in that pairing, when you're growing up, I bet that is something that happens often. The sure. twins I know, there does seem to be like one that's like a little bit of a oh, quiet totally. one and one that's a louder one spoken up. So Alicia, um, She's introverted, um, but she likes to sing. She likes to sketch. She's like a little artist. She likes to cook. She loves Mariah Carey. So we have a Ja Rule fan. We have a Mariah Carey fan. But it's interesting. Like, you'd think that this introverted girl who likes to sing, sketch, and cook and loves Mariah Carey would be, like, a little bit softer and shy. But she's pretty tough. Like, when she came back from mono, people said that she was, like, kind of changed. And she got in a lot of fights at what school. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So she fought at school a lot of the time. And eventually, like, the school couldn't really handle her. And so they were like, we actually are going to say you got to stay home for school. You can't come to school. Oh, She's getting God. a lot of fights. Um, wow. She wasn't very mature is what's described in that she doesn't totally understand the consequences of her actions. Okay. So... The twin girls, they live in a four-bedroom house with a total of 12 people. So it's like our house in the middle of the street, our house. <laughs> Got it. We have Kathleen, their mom. We have their stepdad, Kevin Jones. Their brother, their sister. They have two stepsisters. They have Kevin's mom and his brother, one of his friends, and like another person he used to work with. And Garfield and Odie. And it's like a whole the whole gang, yeah. you know? Um, and I don't know if you've gathered at this point when 12 people live in a house, it doesn't scream in a four bedroom house. It doesn't scream like we have all the means in the world. They don't. And they're about to find out what happens. Yeah. It's, um, when people start being polite and and start start getting and are broke and start getting broke. Less money. Um, so Kevin, um, their stepfather is just like 6'4", 310 pound guy. He's a construction worker. And I guess he was, um, he does have a little bit of a record where he was dealing cocaine. Okay. Um, but in 2002, he gets hospitalized for congestive heart failure and he's really not able to work. So the bills pile up. They have all these people at the house. It's pretty tough. So Kevin and Kathleen, the parents of the house, they, um, they file for bankruptcy. 
I mean, I want to just say, I think what's worth noting too, is that Kevin, even though he's a stepdad, like he does treat the girls like they're his own kids. So the parents are are deciding to file for bankruptcy to save the house from foreclosure. And, you know, these 14-year-old girls are a part of this family. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like there's a lot of room for private conversation. And so I think the stress of this is definitely spilling over into the kids. I think the kids are really aware of what's going on with the financial troubles of the family. And this all comes to a head in a culmination October 29th, 2002. Yes, Mm -hmm. two days before Halloween. Um, the twin sisters are home. I assume Alicia is just home all the time because she's homeschooled. Um, but they overhear a phone call, um, from one of the family's lawyers that says that the bankruptcy proceedings have stalled. And so where they thought, okay, we're going to file for bankruptcy. We're going to save this house. It's stalled and it's looking like they could really lose the house. So it feels like things are at a fever pitch. And then the same day, I guess they get another call from the phone company about an overdue phone bill. And so their phone might get cut off. Like there's a lot of stress that these kids are experiencing. So Chelsea, the mother hen nurturer, Ja Rule fan, um, she hears these calls and she goes, you know what? What would any Ja Rule fan do, she thinks? Yeah. What do you think a Ja Rule fan? I don't want to malign Ja Rule. What do you think a nurturing 14-year-old fixer thinks is the best course of action at this moment? Murder. I'm going to go less than that. Okay, I don't know. I'm trying to guess. I'm yeah. Think you what do you, if you need money, what do you do? Rob a bank. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's it. She's like I got to I got to rob a bank. And uh so she's in there she's thinking like I think I'm going to rob a bank. I can't think of any other option than to rob this fucking bank. So she goes to her mom, 34-year-old Kathleen, same age she and I. And uh, she's like, Mom, I'm going to go rob a bank. And her mom laughs at her and is like, you're not going to do that. You're going to get in trouble, you 14-year-old idiot. Chelsea goes, no, no, no. I'm doing this. Like, you can get on board or not, but I'm still going to freaking do it. So I think mom is kind of like, I guess... I guess I got to go along with I guess I'm on board. I, I guess mean, I'm on board. That's what, yeah, any mom would. And so Chelsea, 14-year-old Chelsea, takes her brother's <laughs> BB gun. insane. She takes her brother's BB gun. Yeah. And uh, she has a little extra. It's an orange BB gun, and that's not going to fool anyone. No one's going to be tricked by an orange BB gun, but they do have some metallic nail polish. Perfect. So she takes the metallic and she starts painting this BB gun. A metallic um, black, I hope. Not just another I about, color. I think it was silver. She I think was it like, was a metallic silver. No way. Yes, I think it was silver, silver which is like it's not a great sillier. look. Lisa's um, not like teal. Oh my God, you could you imagine? You orange, but teal. I mean, I kind of would love it, frankly. Um, it would be fun gun, but it's like, what's happening? So um, within an hour, Kathleen goes from, you know what, you're going to get in trouble to, I guess if you need a ride, I'll drive you. <laughs> She's the getaway driver. I mean, I think the family's pretty stressed. You know, they just got a call. They well, might lose their house. You're painting that picture. And what's interesting is, again, it's like a pretty quick decision. There's like not really like planning She's involved. like, you're not going to. Okay, I'll drive. Okay, yeah. I'll drive. And you know what? The bank, Quinn, it's just five minutes away. <laughs> so it's no harm, no foul. So originally, originally what happened was, is she's like, you can't go in there by yourself, Chelsea. And Chelsea's like, listen, I got, I got my uh, stepsister, Divine, to come with me, um, but at this point, the plan is kind of coming together. And I think Divine is like, you know what? I'm going to sit this one out. I'm actually not interested in going on this trip. So uh, Kathleen is like, you know what, Chelsea? I really don't want you to go by yourself. Ask your twin sister, Alicia. So 
you know, like any twin sister, she's like, oh, hey, Alicia, you have to come with me because I'm trying to rob a bank. And her sister, Alicia, is like, fine. Okay, cool. I'll be there. So right before the two of them go into the bank, they're donning um, a black skull cap that's so tight and it's pulling it. It's essentially transparent on the face. But um, the two of them, they kneel down. They say some prayers. They're about to go rob a fucking bank. The two of them walk into the Sun National Bank in Burnaget, New Jersey, and Alicia is carrying the metallic nail-polished gun, and she goes to the bank teller, and she goes, give me your money, to which the bank teller, on October 29th, these two teenage girls goes, is this a joke? (laughs) And they said, I'm not fucking playing. Give us your money. Chelsea then holds out a trash bag, and the teller puts about... $3,500 in the bag. And they walk away. Alicia like feels how light this is. And she goes back and she goes, is that it? And the teller's like, they don't really keep a lot of money back here. So they scram. The girls run outside. They hop in the 1992 Buick Skylark and they drive off. They skedaddle. They get home and on their way home, they actually see a cop car passing them on the way to the bank. And so they get home. There's a celebration. They're like, we did it. They put the money on the kitchen table. Kevin, um, Kevin, their stepdad comes in and sees it. And he claims that he's pretty pissed. He sees what they did. And he's like, you got to get out of this house. You're You're not welcome here. And you know. It took him some time to cool off, okay? To cool off. To cool off. It he took him some time to cool off. He said, and then he started feeling pretty old twins. Cool. And you know what? They're just trying to help the family. Yep. So he says, you know what? Hop in the car. So he takes his wife, Kathleen, the twin girls, and Divine. And he goes, where am I going to take you guys Takes them to Atlantic City. He takes them to Atlantic City. <gasps> no, no. He says he panicked. He didn't know where else to go, and yeah. he actually like. I mean, that's my go-to also. I, I get you know, because you know, thirty-five hundred dollars. If you could spend at the right place, you could make it twelve thousand dollars. It could romantic Atlantic City. <laughs> and the funny thing is, Quinn is like, maybe at that point, that money could, that money could save the house the $3,500 if you spend it right it could um prosecutors of course claim um which is probably what he was doing was he was trying to launder the stolen money yeah he was trying to bring it in get the chips exchanged get them new bills the twins went to a nearby shopping mall the next night they're back home it's only one night in Atlantic City they just said a quick quick day trip and by this point the police have kind of figured it out i mean first of all at the bank there are a lot of cameras and they're able to see the getaway car and the license plate and they see it belongs to kevin jones they then are following the car and they see the twin girls at a convenience store and they're like yeah those matches the description two young girls of the same height with different color hair a blonde and a brunette got them um three days after this heist if that's what we'll call it it is a heist sure like it's like not totally fair to the people that commit heists. <laughs> to call it maligns the name heist. It maligns the name heist. Yeah. yeah. So the police raid their the Jones home at gunpoint with the SWAT team, and the twins and the mom are arrested. And while this scene is going on, again, this is like a full house. There's a lot of people in this fucking house. Kevin's mom is, you know, their grandma, their step grandma is like proclaiming their innocence. She's like, they didn't do it. Get off of them. You know, she's. She's being a grandma. She believes the best mm-hmm. in these young girls. And Alicia is heard saying, this is according to one of the arresting officers, Grandma, shut up. Me and Chelsea robbed a fucking bank. 
<laughs> yeah, come on. Which again, they're fourteen they're girls. years old. They can old. do big things. They can do like Grandma. Believe in me. Do you think you'll never let like, a little thing like little stop you? Sometimes you have to be a little bit naughty. So, and they were. They were very naughty at this point. So Kevin was not at the house at this point. And at first, like, it's actually, you know, again, these girls, I think, just were playing tough because I think they were really scared. You know, their home life felt, like, really unstable and... You know, yeah, it feels really unstable to me. They were in a house where they were like, "We're in charge," and I think we think we should rob a bank. And everyone in that house was like, "Alrighty, rooskies!" Like that is problematic. Well, I think also too, these kids were like alienated at school, and I think part of the reason when someone had said is like, "These are two white girls, their white mom, and their mom married a black man," and Mm -hmm. I guess like there were a lot of like racial. There are a lot of the students at school were saying like pretty racially provocative things mm-hmm. and it alienated them from their their own friends, their groups. You know, like these girls, I think, really didn't have mm-hmm. a huge support system. Mm-hmm. They didn't feel totally safe. They were isolated at school. Their home was insecure. Um, but so they go into the police and they're like acting tough and they don't talk. But eventually they soften and they they're just like two polite girls like the little girls that they were in the beginning these like sweet kind girls are still in there you know of course um and chelsea she tries to take full responsibility for the heist but by the morning you know they go one night and the police have full confessions from chelsea alicia and kathleen their mother um january 2003 so a couple of months later, the twins both plead guilty and are sentenced to the maximum of four years at the juvenile detention center. They are not roommates, but they still are at the same place and they actually see each other all the time. Um, and while they're there, they actually, it seems like, I don't know, again, it's hard to know how accurate this is, you know, with juvenile detention centers. I like, every time people paint a rosy picture, I'm like, is it though? I don't know. But Are there any trampolines? <laughs> Don't paint a rosy picture and then tell me there are no trampolines. That's a really good point, Gwen. I think anything, any box brings a trampoline if you believe in it, though. Oh, I like that spin. Thank you. It's like any personal Lucky to have any you as pizza, a roommate, I'm Any sure. pizza is a personal pizza if you believe in yourself hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, at this detention center, they do go to school five days a week. No more homeschooling. No what more am I saying? There. No more homeschooling for you, Alicia. You're back in the classroom. Um, the detectives on the case and the prosecutor who prosecuted this case um, believe at this point that the girls are much better off. You know, they at the, the reason they robbed the bank in the first place is they were worried about losing their home. Mm-hmm. And here they are. They have like a bed, a roof, food. Um, they no did bags. say a warm place to sleep and plenty to eat, and they're back in school. And I would say they are back in school, but I cannot corroborate if their sleeping situation is warm and if they, in fact, have a lot of food. I cannot corroborate that. Um, but at this detention center, they do have a little hair salon. So Chelsea, who loved doing hair, she's working at the hair salon. Um, she also resumes her Bible studies. And Alicia, in the article that I read, makes, or in the book, 17 Girls, um, Alicia has made her presence in the juvenile detention center known. There are two huge mur- <laughs> You keep acting like you don't know why you're slurring. I've seen how much wine you've had to drink and you keep I've being surprised. I've had a couple of glasses. I've had a couple of glasses. She's had a couple of glasses. She's going to go paint a mural. She painted a mural. 
has a chicken a bath. She has a because he curves her. What is with the um, immense use of R's? How dare I? So Alicia in this juvenile detention center, there are two large murals with her little signature EW in the corner. Um, Of course, the parents were tried. Kevin Jones went on trial in September later for covering up the crime as well Mm -hmm. as endangering children. Um, I don't know if that was because he took them to Atlantic City was endangering the children. Yeah, I don't part? know what part of that Not is the clear. endangerment. Um, but he expects he he ex- <laughs> <laughs> No, please. You were saying you were he not accepts, saying it well, but you were saying I was saying he accepts a plea. You went first. It's no fair. I had a lot more time to get the alcohol Just through wait, my system. Henry Higgins. Just you wait. He accepts a plea deal bargain um, of five years, that which because the maximum if he was tried and found guilty, it would have been fifty years. So good deal. Um, the twins testified against him um, in exchange for a reduced sentence of their own. Um. While they were testifying against their stepfather, Chelsea was calm, but Alicia was quite emotional. And um, they both claimed that he told them to throw away their clothes in order to destroy the evidence. Um, Alicia said her mom actually asked her to lie in court to save both of her parents from prosecution. Um, And at one point they were like, are you mad at me? The prosecutor asked Alicia, like, are you mad at me? And she goes... I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at him and my mom for getting us into this situation. So they put a lot of blame on their parents. Kathleen, she pleads guilty to armed robbery and using her kids in a crime. Can we take a minute just to say, what the fuck is the prosecutor doing asking a kid on the stand, are you mad at me? That seems Because they were like emotional. I think they were wanting them to crack. I think they wanted them to like blame... Like, no, they, he wanted to. I think he was just like weird questions, sir. <laughs> you mad at me? It's like me on the stand. It's my dream is to get all of my friends on a stand and, and go, then you're like, are you mad at are me? Are you mad at me? <laughs> totally. And, and be honest, because you had to be honest, because you swore. You swore to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So have you got? So you have to tell me. Are you mad at me? Um, <laughs> dream though, that'd be great. Any boyfriend, do you like me? <laughs> <laughs> so their mom pleads guilty to armed robbery um, and for using her kids in a crime. She is sentenced to 15 years in prison. She has the highest incarceration um, and she cannot even be paroled until 13 years into her sentence, which is in 2016. The family does end up losing that home and the siblings are all separated, which is very sad. Hate, hate that. The girls eventually get out of jail um, but when I was researching the story, there is a sad update, which is Alicia. She passed away in 2010 at the age of 22. Ooh. And I found it because I found her obituary. But her obituary says, Alicia was an accomplished artist and a great cook. She had a compassionate spirit and always put others before herself. Mm. But that's the story of Chelsea and Alicia, two twins at 14 who decided just on a whim to rob a bank. Well, they were 14. And they were kids. You know what? They were kids. They were scared kids. You're forgiven. I forgive them. They, you know, no one, can I, no one was no hurt. One got hurt. Relax, no one, Well, everybody. I mean, they it's got hurt because they bank. went to jail. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's just, again, the adults in the room going, you know what? You're actually going to get in trouble. I'll Fine, drive. I'll drive. Go get the keys. Mm-mm. I'll Mm-mm. drive. Mm-mm. Well, dear readers, 
Thank you for joining us on this very um, drunken rock. It is. I don't feel drunk. You I don't can't feel drunk. Make words with your mouth. But I've never been able to make words with my mouth. And okay. you know that actually about it me. It is also we never do this at night. Oh, that's the other thing, dearest readers, is that it's late. We usually do this in the morning and it's 9.15. Exhaustion Shh. ensues. Um, By the oh. way, if you haven't yet, feel free to like, subscribe, Shh. join Patreon, which we always have. You get extra episodes, which are so fun. There's one episode every month. So we actually have a backlog of over 50 episodes. I think there's a million. You know what? Only The only way you can find out is I'm if not- you sign up. So That's do the that. Way. That's um, the way. Feel free to subscribe, leave a review, or not. Or do, do this. you do this? If you already do that, just bully someone else into doing it. Takes, we do could, a, pull a Quinn and take someone's phone and write a review. Yeah, on theirs. Take they won't someone. Know. They take won't someone know. and take yeah. Take a friend. Take them aside. Explain. Explain the situation. Get another person on board. If we could double our numbers, if everybody did that. Do you know how rich we would be? We would each have like $200. <laughs> what would you buy? I Harry would put it in this. savings. I'm getting depressed. Let's go rob a bank. Bye, dear readers. Oh, God.